Is this on? Welcome to the Flyover State Sports Show, the only show as boring as the state it's made in. I'm your host, Sam Long, coming back at you for our second ever episode, and I am again joined by our lovely hosts, Gavin Alexander and Mr. Caleb Ubel, a.k.a. What up, what up? <laughs> What's up? Nice timing there. It was beautiful. It was absolutely phenomenal. Now, Beans, I do have to ask you one question. I had this uh, shower thought today. Okay. Have we ever specified what kind of beans you are? Oh, baked. Baked beans. Definitely refried. Refried beans. I always took you as more of a pinto bean kind of guy. But, yeah. you know, tis the season to speculate about beans. Well, we have a lovely show for you guys tonight. We had something of uh, this last Sunday. I don't know if you guys knew, but we had a really, really big football game. Some might call it a super game, the Super Bowl. And super it was wild. a very was a, huh? I thought it was in a dome. It wasn't a dome. Domes can be bowls, beans. Domes oh. are just bowls with roofs. Yeah, super dome. Except that, that stadium's thing. roof doesn't prevent lightning delays. Let's not forget about that. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> What's the point of the roof if it <laughs> won't protect against delays from weather? Still one of the dumbest things from this season. People forget about that from this season. I don't want to spend too much time on the roof because, you know, we did have, you know, the biggest game of the year, but that's very dumb. Well, let's actually move into what's important, and let's talk about the Super Bowl itself. And I think there's a couple of quick hitters that we really need to talk about in terms of just the game. So for my money, that game was pretty damn boring for most of the time, especially the third quarter. But the last two drives gave us a (laughs) lot to be talked about. And the main thing to be talked about is Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup and Aaron Donald. So what did you guys think of the last five minutes of that game? Gavin, you want to go first? Yeah, okay. So first of all, like, I understand it wasn't Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen duking it out and, like, some just offensive fiesta. But in terms of, like, drama and the early in the game, you have what appears to be the Rams just running away with it and then – the Bengals do what they always do and just kind of find their way back into the game by whatever nefarious means possible. And then, you know, late in the game, you have a fourth quarter that was extremely dramatic. I All in all, considering the last couple, last year's Super Bowl, the game itself to me was at least very exciting. But regardless, I digress. Uh, in terms of Stafford and Cooper Cup and Aaron Donald, I said on the preview show, at a lot of these positions, it appeared that the... Uh, the Bengals and the Rams were pretty damn close. You could, um, I don't think Burrow had a great game. I think Stafford had a pretty good game. I don't think he had a great game. 
Uh, Cup was awesome. Jamar Chase was awesome. T. Higgins was a cheater. And uh, you have Aaron Donald, who, regardless of even when he's not affecting the play directly, is having three people block him so that Von Miller and overpaid Leonard Floyd can go and make plays. Um, and that was that's what ended up winning the game for the Rams. Would you agree, Beans? Oh, uh, yeah, I agree. Um, but honestly, in my opinion, I felt like this game was – it felt like a running game, even though there was a lot of passing going on. But with uh, the Rams, keep they kept running it and kept failing, that's for sure. But it, it, it definitely the – the quickness of that game and from where it started, where it, it just felt like a run game. Do you disagree? No, not at all. I think I, – I think, you know, the Bengals' defense really kind of played the game in their lives right there. I don't think that defense really could have played much for much longer of a game because kind of what we saw a lot of was that defense would kind of, you know, get broken up a little bit in the first half of games. And in the second half, they'd clamp down. Well, they clamped down the entirety of the game, honestly. And, I mean, they Hubbard and Hendrickson were in there. They were providing pressure. Everyone was filling gaps. That, that run. defense shocked me. I was. Yeah, I Logan was Wilson had an incredible game at linebacker. He, yeah. he, no, they were awesome on defense. Yes, and that, that they, front line looked amazing. Yeah, they they looked awesome, and they played awesome. They were awesome. Like, there's no other way to say it. it it's just you know the difference in the game really came down to what everyone kind of knew. Everyone was playing about as equal as you could have, except the Rams offensive line made the blocks when they had to on the last drive of the game. and The Bengals offensive line just didn't. It's third and one. And I get, you know, the other team is Aaron Donald. He has no human precedent. He's the best football player in the world. He's one of the greatest defensive players, football players, honestly, just period ever. But if you can't pick up one yard twice and he's the game wrecker then i i don't know what to tell you like why would why was samanje p ryan running that ball in that situation uh, I know so i actually power back but i actually have a idea on this because samanje p ryan throughout the season has been inconsistently their third down passing back oh yeah mm-hmm. i think what happened was they came out in a passing play joe burrow saw the i guess checked into a run because he liked what the rams came out in on defense and Samaj P. Ryan just happened to be on the field for that. That's the most logical thing to me because because the other option here is coach of the year candidate Zach Taylor or winner. I can't remember if he actually won. Uh, no, no, no it was, uh... That's right. It was Vrabel. But yeah. regardless, candidate uh, took Joe Mixon off the field on the most one of the most important plays of the season for a one yard plunge with his backup running back. I so, mean, he, Mixon did look thing. a little little Mixon did look a little banged up in the second quarter, but I I don't know if that played out. But he, here's kind of my thing, right? Like I I completely understand. Like yes, it's third down. You have Samaj P Ryan in there. That's what you've been doing all season. Like I complete I completely understand that, right? It's just inexcusable for – I understand the clock is running, right? Like, I, I completely understand that. But you have a timeout left. Um, and if you don't get this play, then you, you're you're toast. Like, What, what is the Ryan doing on the field on the last drive, just period? Like, this is to win the Super Bowl. Well, I mean, is he – is it something to where he's staying in to block – 
Well, that, like, that's the other thing, too, is I noticed, and this is a one-game sample size and everything, and I get that, but, like, Joe Mixon had some incredible pass-blocking snaps in this game himself, picking up blitzes, because, I mean, that's they were coming after Burrow all game, and they pretty much had to. Not saying that uh, that's Joe, Joe Mixon's specialty, but just in terms of having your best players on the field to win the Super Bowl, I just don't feel like that's really a, really a um, hot take or anything like that. They should probably no, be I, trying to do that. I agree with you. My, my thing is really just more of like I can I can see the vision on like third down. Like I understand like what's happening. And I don't disagree that Joe might have just checked into the run. You only need a yard. Right. right. And like you can talk about like, oh, well, like you need to go play for the touchdown to win the game. Well, like you need to get in field goal range. Like at the end of the day, you're driving to get it to the 40 yard line. So the best kicker on the planet right now, other than Justin Tucker, can, you know, send you to overtime. And then we'll take it from there. And who knows who wins that game in overtime? Like, here's my thought. I'm, I mean, the, the Rams did score on that drive before the Bengals got the ball there at the end of the game. I just would have said, let them score. You would have had more time on the clock. Just, you know, just let you see that happen sometimes in the NFL. The defense is trying, but it, yeah. in some, you, some instances, like, just let them get in there, have more time. I don't know. I, well, I just can't agree with that because your offense hasn't done squat. I mean, your, yeah. your offense got – I mean, if you if you really look at the second half of that game, right, the first play is the big play to T. Higgins, and we'll get over under that on whether or not you think that's a penalty. It, it was, but, you know, <laughs> we, we can get more into that later. But, like, it's one kind of fluky play, and then Stafford throws a fluky pick, and then you kick a field goal, and then it's nothing. Like, you yeah. didn't do anything. So you I actually have uh, some – I think it was Steve Palazzolo, a uh, member of PFF, tweeted this out earlier today. Uh, or a couple days ago. So if you take out the extremely fluky, and I guess before I even say this, would you guys agree that it kind of felt like in the first half, the Rams pretty much controlled it, moved the ball, and the Bengals were just kind of holding on to that game? I That, oh, was, that was how I, I felt. Uh, I, 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 it, I believe that's true. Uh, and I, it, it I don't like, know. It, it seemed like the Rams had the wind knocked out of them when OBJ went out. And right. that That's my point there, because you have the Rams running away with this on offense, and the Bengals are moving the ball just not as well as the Rams. It felt like through pretty much most phases of this game, the Rams were just a tick better. And then OBJ goes out. All of a sudden, uh, the Rams' offense kind of sputters a little bit to end the half. The Bengals score and make it a little bit closer. Then we start the second half, and like one of the first plays of the second half is this long ass touchdown to T. Higgins, and then you throw to a guy that shouldn't be on the field when he was or hit Ben Skronik in the hands, and it turns into an interception. That he was backup for OBJ, so OBJ right. in that situation. That's nine out of ten times. So like the Bengals get like bailed, kind of bailed out back into this game. And it's, uh, you got to catch the interception. I don't want to take anything away from the Bengals, but you can't argue that that wasn't two very fluky plays that just uh, kind of made this like team of destiny vibe the Bengals had just feel all that more true. You go through the third quarter and you have, after that, you have a drive end because uh, Cooper Cup misses Matthew Stafford on a Philly special. They can't get the running game going because the 
as we were talking about earlier, the Bengals defensive line. And so I, at the end of the third quarter, I'm sitting here just kind of like, I don't know what the Rams need to do with OBJ out. They can't move the ball on offense and the Bengals aren't really moving the ball on offense either, but it doesn't matter because they've been how, because they've just kind of been gifted offense up until this point. You, you know what that reminds me of, reminded me of? It what? just gave me bad fight. Dude, the Bengals pretty much just became Kansas City. Like they had they had that game by the balls. And they yep. just couldn't close. They couldn't they like you got Tyler Boyd dropping slant passes. You got Aaron Donald dog walking the right guard all the way Which, to Joe Burrow's lap. Like the I first mean, half, Boyd looked great. He was getting targeted. Yeah, he was having a good game. Everything. So and like it, it's just one of those things where it's like they just couldn't close the deal. And I mean, I've seen I know that we're biased Chiefs fans and we watch all the Chiefs games. I, I see that from the Chiefs all the time. Where it's like you have a two-score game and or it's like ten points. Did and Zach Taylor like, was Zach Taylor a coach under Andy Reid at some point? I'm gonna look no, this up real quick. He wasn't. No. I no. think he was a McVeigh tree. He is uh, McVeigh tree. But a hand tree to close what I was talking about before, the actual tweet from the uh, Steve Palazzolo I was talking about was if you discount the fluky 75-yard touchdown, the Bengals averaged 3.7 yards per pass play. They actually averaged more yards per carry than they did yards per pass play. Which, which I believe it. I, uh, I don't know. The no. issue with that, like, is, you know, rushing is just less efficient in general. Like, the big pass to Jamar Chase early in the game was completely earned. But, again, you take away that big pass, and what? how much does that drag down the three points? I do have one question about that stat. Is that yep. accounting um, sack yards? As yes, that, 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 that is that would every time they drop. Because this was more of a – they stopped running the ball late in the game. When uh, for no not, reason, honestly, yeah, yeah, right. And like, so, no offense to Ashawn Robinson, and like I'm sure Ashawn Ashawn Robinson is really good at stopping the run, obviously. But like, I'm sorry, I'm not letting Ashawn Robinson dictate how I play the football game. Yeah, well, and that's the thing too is you have Joe Mixon averaging five yards a carry, and you started, you got into a situation, especially on the last drive, but late in the game where the Rams just kind of disregarded the fact that you were going to get five yards per carry. F- fine. We'll take it. We are just going to rush Joe Burrow. We don't care about play action. We're going after Joe Burrow and he's not going to win this football game. And Zach Taylor failed to adjust to that. And it ended up, in my opinion, costing him the game. Did you know that the Bengals only ran one screen in that entire game? That's incredible. They had such success with it against Kansas City. Well, and right. I thought they were going to hit that. I thought they were going to hit that screen game more to kind of get more sideline to sideline, and it, yeah, clearly they didn't want to do that. Um, so my favorite think, thing, and I think the thing that really encapsulates this entire conversation is, is I've seen a Bengals fan tweet this before, but Sean McVay is just a substitute teacher, or not Sean McVay. Zach Taylor is a substitute teacher. <laughs> Like, he's basically just there to watch over the kids and make sure that they don't, you know, do Raiders stuff. This team is very young, too. I mean, and we'll talk about this later, but this is a very young team, and I'm curious yeah. to go in the future. But uh, so, hold on. hold on, give me one second here. Okay, oh all right. Good. So, I guess uh, we pretty much hit on the, the majority of the game. The game whittles its way down to 
The Rams have got the ball, six minutes left, down four because they missed the extra point, which is another weird thing because now they're forced to score a touchdown. Instead Johnny of Hecker has to be, like, thanking everything that <laughs> the Rams yeah. didn't lose that game because they couldn't kick a field goal there. But um, like, that's just one of the all-time, like, weird blunders. Because it's not like Romo, where, like, Romo doesn't really, like, take those snaps. It's like Johnny Hecker's been holding balls since he came into the league. And, like, he just fucked it up. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, I want to kind of walk us through this last drive for the Rams. Because I I was kind of uh, put off after the game when Matthew Stafford didn't win a Super Bowl MVP. And to be honest, Matt Stafford has got enough praise over the last couple days on social media. It really doesn't matter. Um, But you have a guy that when the Rams have needed a play, they literally got rid of Jared Goff plus a first-round pick to get a guy for a moment like this. You need a score in the Super Bowl. Can you lead the team down the field and score? You have the run from Cup on fourth and one. You have the no-look pass from uh, Matt Stafford. No, I just everything about that drive was beautiful. You get down into the red zone, you need a score. And honestly, at this point, you're getting to the you like, we know we are we know we are gonna have the opportunity to score. It's more about not giving Joe Burrow the ball back, right? Yeah. And and yeah, and Cup playing there, did you guys notice like he took that hit? I, I, that was the only bad pass there towards the end zone when they I don't know, was it holding or something or to call back? I can't remember. Oh, I disagree with that because Matt Stafford missed Van Jefferson running in the back of the end zone on like first down. Yeah. Um, But like that that was really one of the only passes that Stafford did miss. And Van Jefferson was just kind of folding chair open back there. (laughs) I don't know what he was doing there, but there was, there was only one bad throw I could say from Stafford. He threw it and, and, and cut caught it too. when he got obliterated in the back. Yeah. But he no, threw it too high. Like, that, when... that is the only bad throw he had was throwing it too high for his his running wide receiver to get obliterated in the back of the end zone. Other than that, he played really good. Yeah, and I guess do you want to touch on the officiating here, Beans? Since you can't talk about this last drive without talking about the officiating, and I just kind of want to put that to rest. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'd gladly take this because I feel like the officiating was awesome the first three quarters. And I kind of like the mindset of they were just letting them play. I think they only called four penalties the first half. And that last drive, they called four penalties on their own, uh, just on that. And then a couple of them were uh, the one on Eli Apple for sure. And, but I, I feel like letting them play out. And that's the one on Logan Wilson. I feel like was a ticky tack call or a makeup call. And yeah, I agree. One that happened earlier. Yep. Um, but in that situation, you can't you. So there, there's two missed calls, three probably, if you want to go that way. So the one where the Bengals scored um, right out of the, right out of halftime, right. You know, I, I get it. That's hard to see there. And <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> that's a that's a 75 yard touchdown for a team that had been struggling to move the ball all game. Yeah, and and then so there was that, and then the Logan Wilson one that. I don't know if he was holding there. I don't know what was happening. It looked clean to me. And then uh, the one at the very end of the game where Aaron Donald was lined up offsides, right. I think that's kind of hard. But, you know, seeing D Ford line up offsides a couple years ago and then seeing that, yeah. like, why didn't they call that? 
And I'm not gonna lie. Did that no call just kind of as, as Chiefs fans? Did that no call just kind of feel like that we can't make this call on this stage to a guy like Aaron Donald versus you know in a it's much easier to make that call to D Ford in the AFC Championship game. I mean, I was pissed, but I mean, I'm glad to see how it ended with Aaron Donald. Um, you know, with I am too. If I mean. I, these, the, 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 that, those situations are two completely different because I was kind of okay with D Ford leaving because he was going to be really expensive that next year, and so I I don't know it's two opposite ends of the spectrum. But I you got to call that in the end of the game. If he's lined up offsides in the first quarter, you go up to him and say, "Hey, you're lined up offsides here." And that situation, you you've got to throw that flag. And I he his stance, he was lining up to rush the living hell out of that offensive line. Yeah, I, I had the feeling from the officiating, and Sam, see if you feel the same way on this, but like, I felt as though they were letting stuff go, and I appreciate that. The T. Higgins thing is just something you can't let go because of how big of a play it is and just the way it happened. And especially, I know slow motion isn't everything, but like that play was made because his face mask was whipped out of the play and I, it's a 75-yard touchdown. Hold on, I have and, a quick question. Hold on, I have a quick question before yep. we go into that. If, if they didn't call that in the Bengals' win uh, out of halftime, do you think the people would have been on that more than the offsides on Aaron Donald? Absolutely. People just love to complain. Yeah, well, that's true. Okay. I mean, the, the offsides is like – people are offsides all the fucking time. Um, the That was just such a bad missed call. Like, even – like. Even in, like, just real time, I couldn't believe there wasn't anything. You know what I mean? Like, it's such a blatant disregard to things. And um, I I agree with you, Gavin. I mean, it felt like they were letting pretty much everything go. They shouldn't have let that T. Higgins catch go, in my opinion. That, that was too yeah. much. Yep. And I do agree that by the end of the game, it was kind of like, okay, well, what are we doing here? Yeah, well, and didn't you feel like that was almost – it wasn't the correct uh, way that they got there, but in the end of the game, I felt like it was the most – it was fair, and I didn't feel like all things considered and number of breaks and how big the breaks were, I felt like both teams were kind of equally affected. I, I think it was equal. I think it just happens at the end of the game. I mean, like, the biggest fallacy in sports – is that like the blown call at the end of the game or like the points scored at the end of the game are worth more than at like the middle of the game, which yeah. isn't true at all. Seven points is <laughs> worth seven points no matter when you score them. Right. You get clutch points for them, but that's kind of it. Um, did did I get cut off before my Matt Stafford apology? Or do I, I would love to hear Matt Stafford yeah. again. <laughs> okay, so for those of you who don't know, my internet stinks and kicked me off of this recording. So now I have to grovel, you know, to Matt Stafford after talking crap on him last week. <laughs> so I want to formally apologize to Mr. Matt, Matthew Stafford. I don't know what your middle name is, but I would have said it like, you know. I think it's every, Rutherford. Is it Rutherford? I'm Matthew Rutherford Stafford, any sort of initials afterwards – Hopefully just first of his name. I apologize to you because last week I said, you don't have the sixth gear. Joe Burrow does. And lo and behold, Matt Stafford went out there after his offense didn't do crap. 
for pretty much the whole second half. And he went out there and he won that game. He went out there with five minutes left with OBJ out with no run game. And he Tyler went out Higby there. And, out. Am I cutting in and out? No, Tyler Higby was out as well. And they lost their second string tight end in the first quarter too. Well, again, to Matthew Stafford, you won that game. I don't know if I can say you have the sixth year because the sixth year to me is two minutes down four, right? But you definitely right. have a five and a half, sir. And I <laughs> wish, for the love of God, that Samaj Pirine would have picked up that first down because I still believe that Joe Burrow has that sixth gear because if you look at the two throws that he made before the debauchery that was just, you know, everything in those last two plays of the game, I feel like he would have definitely got them into field goal range. And his offense really did nothing after that T. Higgins basically cheat. So, yep. but to Matthew Stafford, I do apologize. You're better than I thought you were. And you definitely had that gear in you. Well, he's listening to this and I can tell he's saying thank you. Yeah. To, to expand on that as well, I was talking about being uh, distraught by him not winning Super Bowl MVP. And Beans, I talked to Sam about this. I want to know your opinion because when it initially happened, my, uh, my feeling with it was, he was the quarterback that won the Super Bowl and played well. That's like the only criteria on the flow chart that matter for Super Bowl MVP, in my opinion, because that's the precedent that the NFL has set. When Julian Edelman won it, uh, Tom Brady played like shit, and there was no offense in that game. And when, then you go back, and there's the 2015 Super Bowl or whatever, the Denver Broncos Super Bowl, where mm-hmm. all the quarterbacks played like shit, so they had to give it to a defensive player. Yeah, And then the the last time that it actually didn't go to a quarterback that won and played well was, ironically, Russell Wilson when uh, I think it was Malcolm Smith or something like that. Uh, Russell Wilson went for like 200 yards and two touchdowns, but they just blew the utter living piss out of the Broncos. And um, the they had a linebacker that went for like a pick six, a fumble recovery, a forced fumble, yeah. uh, a couple of sacks and some uh, tackles. So like, whatever, I'll, I'll accept that. But when it was close between Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford, you just give it to Stafford. Yeah. And, uh, I, and that's, I don't know, in that game, it felt like, um, you know, you could definitely tell that both those teams were the number four seed. And so uh, giving it to, I don't know, I, I feel like Stafford did obviously deserve it, but uh, Cup had a very, very good game. Yeah, I don't want to take anything away from Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup probably had one of, if not the greatest wide receiver season of all time. Cooper you could have gave it to three. You could have gave it to three or four different players on the Rams in that situation. That's true. I know the people were screaming for Aaron Donald. I, I, I think so too, and that's, I mean, outside differences there. So yeah, he affects the he affects the game just in a different way than Stafford or Cooper Cup. And again, when I'm talking about precedent, because I, I I just felt disrespected for Matthew Stafford because <laughs> of the precedent that the NFL had set, I feel like they didn't stay consistent with Stafford was all. Yeah, I agree. And it, Okay, so if the Bengals win, they go down and score that. That, that is exactly what I told Sam is what you're about to say. Who who wins the NFL MVP if the Bengals go down and score that drive? Joe Mixon could have broke a 40-yard touchdown exactly. run and thrown the touchdown, and they would have gave that motherfucker to Joe Cool. You know no, that no, they yeah, would have. Yeah. I, and they could have, yeah. Just watch J.P. Ryan, you know, yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> I, there was 
that that's the difference there is it's the narrative thing and uh, nothing yeah. against Cooper Cup he had a great season but for some reason Stafford I I don't understand how Aaron Rodgers is incredible and has Devontae Adams but when Matthew Stafford is incredible and has Cooper Cup it's because of Cooper Cup it's just a like inconsistent dichotomy with number well, one receivers and quarterbacks. Well, in the MVP for the the NFL MVP for the Super Bowl is um, based off of I think fan voting, media. There's like three different criteria. Oh, is so, it really? Yes, yeah. So the fans do take. So Cooper Cup was probably more on the fan side than anything, and he yeah. is a level that Cooper Cup is a very very lovable receiver. But uh, I I feel like a lot of Michigan people in Michigan were hitting the vote for Matthew Stafford, like just pushing the button constantly. <laughs> yeah. It's not like Stafford is a hard, they're both easy players to root for, but the like story of Stafford being the dude that comes into LA. I mean, Cooper cup was there when they weren't winning. Cooper yeah. cup was there. Cooper cup had a incredible season. I think it was 2018, 2019 mm-hmm. year before his ACL. Like we've known what Cooper cup can do in LA. It's just Stafford allowed him to reach a whole new level, but somehow that's Cooper Cup doing that. I. How do you yeah. feel about that, Sam? Well, hi. Back from the dead again. Can you guys hear me good? <laughs> I, I, went, I went to my phone. My computer hates me. It's not even my computer. It's a computer I borrowed because my other computer hates me. Hey, Sam, how does it make you feel that uh, we're doing good? So, Well, you know, I'm glad that you guys are carrying the show. You know, I hope that uh, this becomes a not reoccurring segment on our podcast every week. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, For me, you know... For one, you know, fan voting, I think a lot of people from L.A. just like Cooper Cup better because he's been there, right? Right. And I guess so that. is Aaron Donald. Yeah, but it's hard for defensive players to win. And I yeah. think really for a lot of people, you have to look at the last drive. And, yes, I understand that Matthew Stafford made that awesome no-look throw, right? Like, that was awesome. That was very, you know, that was Mahomes-esque, you know, very you know, elite-level arm talent, all, all the hype, all the uh, superlatives. But like at the end of the day, like what it felt to me was the biggest play of the game is that fourth and one, right? Right. You haven't been able to run the ball all day. This is, this is it. You don't make this, you are probably losing the Super Bowl. It's not guaranteed you lose the Super Bowl, but your problem, your battleship is probably sunk. If you don't make that play. Yeah. And they didn't hand the ball off to any of the running backs. They didn't drop Matt Stafford back. They didn't, you know, they didn't let him drop back and throw. They handed the ball to Cooper Cup on like a very obvious type, you know, Cooper Cup in motion type play. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, yes, like Stafford was awesome. But like Cooper Cup made the play of the game, in my opinion. Like when, when the chips were down. When it's nut cutting time, when it's time to go and win, you have to call your best play. That's the play that Sean McVay went to. And I don't think that's why I give Cooper Cup the edge and the MVP. Yeah. Vaughn Jefferson doesn't make that catch in that end zone. Yeah. I mean, Cooper Cup just did everything that you need to ask for. And like Matt Step, this would have been a perfect time to have co MVPs, right? Because Cooper Cup, for my money, didn't quite dominate enough to like outright for sure win it like Julian Edelman did like Julian Edelman dominated that game right like Cooper Cup like 
You he could only had argue, like what was it like? You could argue yards? that Cooper Cup wasn't even the best receiver on the field until that last drive. You could argue yeah. that OBJ was. Yeah. If you like really were watching the game, OBJ had a hundred yards. He won the MVP that game. I think if OBJ stays healthy, he might have won it. Yeah, I I agree with that. OBJ was and. Part of Cooper Cup, same thing with Aaron Donald. Part of Cooper Cup just being on the field just opens up everything for OBJ and the rest of the playmakers. When OBJ got hurt, they just didn't have anybody that could take advantage of that. Oh, yeah. yeah, and, you know, condolences to OBJ. That's a tough – I Come suppose, to if, you're, next I year, suppose if that's a tough way to go out, then you at least went out, you know, champion, winning a ring. Yeah, and that's what he was searching for. He, he No matter what team he was going to be on when he was – leaving the Browns, he, he was going to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. You know, it's, yep. it's, it, it's the A-B effect. You know, teams that host <laughs> the Super Bowl that have new quarterbacks from the previous year that target and acquire disgruntled and quote-unquote cancerous, unquote, receivers in the midseason are now 2-0 and in Super Bowl history. Where's the Super Bowl next year? We need to research Arizona, it. baby. Oh, man. So Blueprint game. But you see, the problem is the Cardinals aren't going to, you know, need to get a uh, new quarterback. That's or not- oh, are geez. they? Ah, no. seamless transition, folks. To hell with the commercials that we put in our script. They all stunk. <laughs> Let's yeah. talk about Talking Kyler about Murray and how he's an egotistical, arrogant jackass that doesn't watch film and nobody likes. And he was told to grow up. Holy shit. Well, no I... shit. He's too short. <laughs> <laughs> I came on this show last week and I said this was a non-story and we were never going to talk about it again. And then somehow we managed to talk about it again. Not because I'm a liar, but because the NFL loves to push narratives and we got to make sure that Alvin Kamara stays out of the news. <laughs> oh, I never... I forgot about Alvin Kamara. Exactly, because you're focused on the Super Bowl and Kyler Murray being an egotistical motherfucker. So, <laughs> I feel like I feel like Sunday. I feel like Sunday was just information after like every person that was in journalism wanted to break all the news on Sunday. Well, I tell you what, you know, there's even conspiracy theories about Tom Brady, you know, coming back. So you know, who knows? Adam Schefter could still be wrong. The media is, you know, all over the place right now. He should. He needs to be held accountable. Someone needs. Yeah. To when him. is Adam Schefter right? Why should Adam Schefter be held accountable? He was right. Well, he's he, been wrong before. He's even gone on. I can't. Was it the Dan Patrick show or whatever? And said that he has made stuff up. He made the uh, stuff up about Aaron Rodgers. Oh yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, Adam Schefter should the, get some uh, shit for that. How much of the Russell Adam Wilson Schefter stuff has been made Florio. up? What's that? How much of the Russell Wilson stuff's been made up? I mean, the NFL offseason is literally just analysts digging so far up their ass to make stories out of non-stories so that the NFL can stay at the front of the news circle for the entire year, which they, they is have perfectly to do fine. It, dude. They have to do it because they would lose – because the NBA, like, actually is real drama. Like, that's, <laughs> that, that's the thing. It's like, the NBA, like, has legitimate, like – drama and like people who beef with each other and like actual like action like during the trade deadline and off season and stuff so they have to manufacture all this bullshit to remind people that right still and they're exists. they're doing a good job too because the mlb is having a whole ass lockout and i feel like it's not really talked about except for local radio stations i mean and people this, just this, don't this, give a shit about baseball because well, baseball, yeah, but- <laughs> baseball fuck themselves by Dude, they dude, should the, just- own, the owner of the mlb has really shot himself in the foot at least six times at this point yeah, he sucks. Fucking uh, 
Batman, isn't it? Yeah, it, it, and it makes you kind of, uh, I don't know, hear, hearing that stuff kind of makes you appreciate Goodell a little bit, which is kind of hard to say. Yeah, I, I don't, hard. though, because the NFL, the NFL is like the shield. Like, you can't but he always the said, NFL. He always says, you, got, you know, act as if you're protecting the shield. He always says that. It doesn't matter, though, because the NFL is the biggest brand in the United States. Like, I, I don't even know what would happen. What would you even need for the NFL to, like, lose its luster? For them to lock out for like ten years, uh, probably it would but probably if they locked out for two. If we just didn't have an NFL season for two years, could you people are just gonna be like, "Oh my god, the NFL's back after two years"? I gotta fucking watch every game. I need Game Pass. Like, like people would just be all back on it because everyone loves football. Like the problem for MLB whenever they, um, like had their deal was in '94 uh, was interest in baseball like was diminishing and then they let all their players use steroids and then it came back bring back steroids in baseball i agree like no one wants to see like a crap ton of home runs like all over the place but like they want to see home runs and when they hit them they want it to be moonshots yeah my my thing is the baseball season is too long i agree i think the nba season is too long as well nfl does it right because it's a shorter season and they keep making it longer there's no importance to every game you could literally skip half the season and nobody gives a shit yeah i mean that is the problem like mlb was like when mlb had that 60 game shortened season like that was like every day for 60 days and it felt the players don't care like how do the people care when the players don't give a shit the nfl is awesome because you get your team once a week you get them you know that one time so you separate yourself for that time and that's also very true it's uh, three or four nights a week so you gotta like it's it's harder to catch up with your team after that i mean i watch the royals but i I catch myself looking at the score the next day rather than watching them that night because they just play so often yeah, and I mean it's it's one it's it's the nature of the sports, right? You can play baseball and ba- you can play baseball every freaking day. You can play basketball every two days, or whatever, pretty effectively. And it's like NFL, you really need that week in between. But it's just um, manufactured absence, right? Yeah, and absence right. makes the heart grow fonder. Like so. it, it's it's forced scarcity. Like if you have seven yeah. baseball games in a week then it's like, oh, I can, like, watch, like, one of these, and, like, that's it. And, like, I can miss all the rest of them. If you have one NFL game in a week, you, like, make sure that you watch the one NFL game that week. Right. So we kind of got off script here a little bit, but, okay, I got to ask one serious question. Like, what was your favorite commercial of the Super Bowl? Kind of just to backtrack a little bit. Two things. This wasn't my favorite. Um, The, uh, what's the name of it? The Coinbase commercial is going to go down as, like, one of the greatest commercials of all time. That commercial was brilliant. It wasn't one, one of my favorites. Which one was the Coinbase? The, it was the it was the, the QR, uh, code. QR code that bounced Dude, that one was so awesome. That was – yes, I, I didn't know that the was, Coinbase commercial, but that was great. That, that was, was a, genius. That was that absolutely was awesome. genius. Like, anyone who, like, you know, doesn't understand, like, how genius that commercial is, like, is older, right? Because I was sitting here watching <laughs> it. Like, I was like, okay, well, when is it going to break into the commercial? I just kept watching it watching it. And then, no, and then look, look, wait. Gonna then, hit the corner. Hits the corner and it's all satisfying and everything. But like, dude, I mean, like, no one gives a shit. Like, Coinbase's app crashed. So many people clicked on that QR code. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, and, like, dog. Like, you just have a bunch of kids and like millennials and like people our age who are just like, oh, I wonder what the hell this is. 
No, well, yeah, you have a QR code in front of a 15-year-old, it's just an instant click, regardless now, of what the fuck now, it is. They just spent, they just spent is, millions of dollars just to be, you know, that to have that commercial be that successful. It worked. It was very minimal. No, it's it's one of the best commercials, like, ever, like, from conceptually. Like, yes. again, it's not, like, my favorite commercial because, it, like, it was the greatest. Yeah, no, it, it's like uh, it's like watching the movie that wins the Oscar for Best Picture. Yeah, like, it, it's it, not like your favorite movie, but like it's a like it's well put together and it's like genius and everything. Yes, whoever made that commercial is is a freaking Einstein. That was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of commercials, I actually liked that aren't going to be ones that get taught in schools for the next fifty years. Um, <laughs> the I don't I don't actually know which. I don't know whose company this was for. I think it was some sort of like Vlitter, but it was the Barbie Princess one. Oh yeah, the Barbie one where she's like trying to buy the house, and then like all the other like Barbies who like are like flippers or like remodelers like came in. Like the music, the music was funny. The idea was funny, and then Skeletor, He Man, and Skeletor were in at the end, and that was funny. Um, so that was one of my favorites. And then shout out to the one commercial with the baby who had to come back in to help because with people's taxes because they he said that they were taking financial advice from memes. That made me laugh a lot. <laughs> I didn't really have – I mean, the one that uh, – I was inconsistently watching the commercials. I was actually in uh... – on a vacation, it was the day before Valentine's Day, slightly distracted, but I was watching a uh, game in the in a bar with some people and uh, was able to watch the game, just wasn't keeping track of the commercials too much. Really? Well, I mean, the one, the one commercial that did actually, I saw the QR code commercial because when it just came on the screen, it was so different that it just like, what the fuck is going on until you like realized... Like what, and then you started cheering for it to go into the corner. Which oh, sidetrack that entire bar was cheering for that motherfucker to hit the corner. It was awesome. Oh, when it hit but, the corner, uh, dude, everybody erupted. I could feel America just erupt at that point. Yeah, that was brilliant. Like it, that was that was like every millennial's like wet dream of a commercial. <laughs> like that's what it was. Like if you're oh, if you're in between the ages of like. 20 and like 35 that was your that commercial was for you and yeah. i didn't i haven't watched the office but i've seen that scene in the office where they did the same thing and i it, yeah it, it's the same thing yeah but no um i guess since i don't have that uh do you guys want to hit on what are your guys' thoughts on the halftime show then i love the halftime show <laughs> yeah that's also good. that also was a millennial's wet dream of a halftime show yeah it, it, it hit everybody that halftime show hit everybody everybody from like the 90s it was yes. it was really good music from really good artists it wasn't some bs from freaking i don't even remember who was it two years ago i can't remember who it was was it i don't know it, it was it was whoever took their shirt was off it Shakira, like, was it there was shakira two no years ago? okay then it was three years ago shakira and jeffrey lopez was i i was at that halftime show so i can't like even grade it because like i was like watching yeah it it's not on tv but uh, I don't know who it was a couple, three years ago. And then the my last, favorite part it, about it was it, was, it, was, it wasn't. They had Travis Scott with them too. I can't remember who it was. That oh, one stunk. Was the weekend. 
I just remember that they tried to do that SpongeBob promo and they somehow like had a layup for it and like missed it off the front of the rim. It was incredible. <laughs> <laughs> I no, I agree with everything about that. And like it wasn't it was focused on the uh there was good dancing around it, but and there wasn't like a gigantic distraction. There wasn't too much going on. You could follow, you could uh follow the people that were singing, you could fucking tell who was singing. Half the time you can't even tell who's up there. Um, it was easy to follow. It was good. And I, there was nothing. I saw some of the most, uh, like I, the outrage I saw on Twitter about it was, I guess not outrage, but people just loved that fucking, uh, halftime show. They were super happy about it. Everybody loved the performers. They're really nothing to complain about. Except for the old whites. Cause the old whites don't know how to have oh, fun. Okay, here I have a uh <laughs> America needs to take some fucking notes because just because you have four black individuals and Eminem, I don't know if that's even how many there were. There's four or three, what the fuck ever. But just because there are black individuals on your television does not mean that it is a race movement. It may just be that these black individuals are very, 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 very fucking good at what they do at singing. And they earned their way to the halftime show because they worked very hard at it. And they got to uh, take their moment. They got to do very good. Then they threw Eminem up there to have the white or white justice movement next to him. And but lose yourself fucking slaps. Dude, that was that was fucking high. We, we can was, say whatever we want from that. That was fucking awesome. That was great. He the whole halftime show was awesome. The only thing I wish is I wish I knew more about uh, Mary J. Bly. Before I don't know anything about her, but everybody was so excited for her. I, I, I just don't know any women artists from like the 90s. Like I know who Snoop is. I know who Fiddy is. I know who Dr. Dre is. I know who... Uh, 50, 50 Cent looked like a I know who uh, Mr. Marshall Mathers is. You know, I, I know all of them. I just didn't, you know... Oh, and I know um, uh, Kendrick Lamar is. Kind of yeah. forgot Kendrick Lamar was in there. Yeah, he, he wasn't really involved. Eh. Oh, but but uh, I guess to put a bow on the Super Bowl, if we're ready to do that, um, what is next for these two teams? Obviously, we have two completely different uh, ways of getting to the Super Bowl. Your Bengals did the typical – we're going to draft the quarterback and we're going to surround him with weapons and we're going to win with the rookie contract. And you have on the opposite side, the Rams don't have a fucking clue what they're going to do for the next 10 years, but they got a Super Bowl, so it doesn't we're matter. They're going to trade every draft pick possible to get proven players. Literally. And you know what? It worked. Good it worked. for them. Picture of, uh, it was like an animated picture of Sean McVay playing poker and has all the chips in the center of the table. And it's like, that is legit. That is exactly what he did. Hey, props to the Rams. Every every year they put their chips into the middle and they lost. It's like every hand and they lost every hand, but they kept buying back in because the NFL just gives you a first round draft. And and it shows if you get enough veteran talent, like it, it, it helps. It works. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, they proved that it's a, my favorite thing about them was, you know, what do you hear in the NFL? You got to get a quarterback. You got to win when he's a rookie. Then you got to pay him and surround him with talent. And what have we seen with basically every team that's gone to the Super Bowl? They've kind of traded for a Jimmy G or they have paid a quarterback after uh, some success when they were on the rookie contract and then fell off. 
the Rams were just like, fuck that strategy. We don't think that works. We're just going to get rid of these picks and we're going to get proven players and we're going to win now. And what was with really a less risky way to go, if you think about it in the short term. Yeah. I I mean, for me personally, um, I think it's a good thing for the NFL in general just because if the Bengals would have won the Super Bowl, then that's how every team's going to operate, right? We're getting, right. And we're getting to the point where it's like, oh, well, like, you know, you have Lamar Jackson and, like, you don't know if you should pay Lamar. Like, Lamar Jackson's objectively good at football or whatever. <laughs> and, like, I, I know you have different feelings about that guy. <laughs> but for the majority of people, Lamar Jackson is good at the football and, like, should be paid. And it's just a thing of, like, if the Bengals win that Super Bowl, like, does Lamar Jackson just not get paid? And are we, like, going crazy and trading, like, top, like, 8 to 15 quarterbacks who are coming off of their rookie deal because you can get a massive haul of picks for them and just take the next guy? Right. Well, to kind of piggyback off that, how many of these teams are going to follow that script? Just, just you know, I, I, I don't get rid of everything can. and let's try this. Yeah, I, I don't think that many can because like these twelve teams that aren't chasing for that are chasing for a suit their first Super Bowl. You know the Vikings, you have the Bengals, and you have the Lions. All these teams are trying to chase for this first Super Bowl, and I, I, I don't know. I feel like this off season is going to be crazy. I I feel like the thing is though, beans is like the back the the backbone to winning anything, right? In in pro sports, in any pro sport is usually the team that has the most competitive advantage based off of um, like salary to talent is the team that wins a lot of the time, right? Oh, yeah. And the Rams get a lot of talent from the fact that they have a lot of veterans who like are willing to take those like discounts to come chase rings and to live in Los Angeles, to be quite honest. Yeah. I think the team the that's positioned – really well to do something like that is honestly chargers i know like a lot of people go haha chargers, chargers but no, bad, they, chargers no i agree with that because they're in the same position they have the hot young coach you know i'm not saying they're good looking or anything but you know what i mean like they have the <laughs> young coach, <laughs> they sus. Have the coach absolutely sus beans they have the roster they have the quarterback for it they have the roster for it and they have i mean i don't know how much cap space they have obviously i can't speak to that they have quite a bit yeah, yeah. They're, so, they're, I mean, they're like, there. They're they're even trying to sign. There's rumors of Siren, signing Tyron Matthew. So I mean, they obviously have Tyron James as a safety so, duo. Jesus uh, All right, we so need they to obviously have that. cap space. So yeah. yeah, that that's that's too much for my heart to handle. Uh, Beans, <laughs> you have written down here in the script. Actually, before we get to that, I, I think one last thing from the Super Bowl before we put the absolute bow on it. I know we've been doing this forever in a day. But Aaron Donald, retirement question mark. Sean McVay, retirement question mark. Um, Yes or no to either? Um, What do you think? Shoot, Gavin. Uh, Quick answer is only Aaron Donald, sure, because he doesn't have anything left to play for. He's been the best forever. He won. Like, why not? Sean McVay, no. The only reason Sean McVay would retire is just because, like, he's put everything in wins and then doesn't have to deal with the repercussions and then just does the whatever Sean Payton's going to do just retires and then goes into fuck goes back and coaches in like a year from now what you got beans 
All right, so Aaron Donald, I agree with Gavin on that. He has nothing left to prove. He's a freaking beast. He's an animal. He's done it all now. He he can retire and still he could have he could have used a Hall of Famer before, but that game just solidified him. Sean mm-hmm. McVay, I feel like he has a role like a Tony Romo. He could go make millions of dollars and have less stress being a reporter for the NFL or doing games uh, in the booth. And it's just less stress. You meet what once or twice a week. You go your through your producer report and then he could run for president what's that he could run for president oh he could i mean that guy president yeah he's he's old enough so i'm that guy from what i've heard he is very smart very intelligent he can get a whole room behind him hell and when i heard uh andrew whitworth talking after the game like just the way he surround makes everybody surround him and believe that there is so much better and that they, they can be somebody else and they can reach that next step. That That is Sean McVay. And so I, I think he's going to retire because he's already done it all like Aaron Donald. So um, I think there's a better than 50% chance that both of them are up and out here. I like, like you guys said, I mean like Aaron Donald can play for however long he wants to. Um, I don't see the point like realistically like if he genuinely just is like tired of playing football like tired of like being beat up then like he's got the ring he's got all the dpois like who cares like you're done you're in the hall of fame in five years like we'll, we'll see you we're seeing canton in five years go live your life big dog yep um, it's nothing like not- winning a super bowl reaching the high point and then saying freaking fuck it i'm out of here you know yeah and like sean McVay, i, I think is interesting because i think sean Sean McVay strikes me as, like, that grinder. And it strikes me – he strikes me as a guy who might just be burnt out. Yeah, no shit. Like, he – because he went straight from basically playing college football to, like, being the coach of the Rams. He's like, only four years older than the starting quarterback for the reason, but four years older than Matthew Stafford. Yeah, like, he's oh young. Oh, my God, that's true. He, he's not even 40 yet, and I think one of the tweets I saw – this weekend said it all. He looks like he aged in Obama years. Like the famous yes. photos of like Obama yeah. like yes. when he first got elected president and then after and he's got like freaking salt and pepper hair afterwards and he just looks tired. Exactly. Like Sean McVay's been coaching for five years and he looks exhausted. End on a high note. Yeah. I I think for me, Sean Mc, Sean McVay isn't even forty. So Sean McVay can go do T V for Ten years and come back before he's fifty if he wants to coach again. Exactly. So he might as well just go to GV now and, and like make- raise his family. Like it, I've heard stuff about how he wants to raise his family. Well, go off, raise your family for twenty years, and we'll see you when you're fifty-five. 50, we'll 55, we'll still 60. remember our generation will still remember him. Yeah, yeah, send those send those spoiled assholes to college and then come back and coach. Like exactly. that's what I'm saying. Like just go make a shit ton of money for 20 years doing TV and then be like, oh well, you know what? Like I kind of want to coach again. Like I want to see if I can like coach 20 years later. And what are you gonna do? Ruin your legacy? You don't give a shit. Especially if you're good in TV, you'll make the Hall of Fame as a contributor plus yeah. coach. Like yeah. it'll, it'll just be one of the. Like, he has a chance to basically just be the next John Madden where it's like, oh, yeah, I won the Super Bowl and I'm great on TV and I was a great coach. And it's yeah. the for both of them, too, it's the whole mystique thing of, like, oh, my God, they retired and they were both so good. Like, imagine how good they would have been. Like, they would have stayed. Yeah. All right. So I think there's enough Super Bowl talk. So let's kind of look at the uh, landscape of the NFL right now and let's start with some important dates right so march 1st to the 7th is the scouting combine march 8th 
is the franchise tag deadline. The 14th to 16th is contract negotiations for unrestricted free agents. The 16th itself is the beginning of the new league year. And then we got to wait all the way to April 18th for teams with returning head coaches may begin off-season workouts. The 22nd, the deck deadline for restricted free agents to sign offer sheets. And the 22nd is the deadline for prior teams to exercise rights to first refusal to restricted free agents. I got you. You wrote down a lot of you I don't even know if that's a uh, – I don't even know if that's an important date, but it's a date. And then the 28th <laughs> the to the 30th holiday. is the NFL draft. So other than the NFL draft, and honestly, other than free agency, because those are the two most exciting parts of everything, what is your most excitable time of this landscape from March 1st to April 30th? So over that two-month window, what are you most looking forward to seeing? It's the franchise tag deadline, and it's not even close, right? Because by that point – the biggest moving piece of this offseason with Aaron Rodgers. And I, it would feel weird for, just in my opinion, Rus- the Russell Wilson scenario to not be figured out by that point as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but regardless, we will know, Aaron Rodgers' words, not mine, what is going to happen by that time. Because you also have to have Devontae Adams' franchise tagged at that point. Uh, you have to have – there's talks of another franchise. I think it was another franchise tag for uh, Chris Godwin – there's talks that they might franchise tag Mike Williams in uh, L.A. Like, there's all of these big-ass free agent names are the, the headlines of these uh, this free agent class just getting talked like they are going to get franchise tagged or, in Rogers' case, traded by that date. Yeah. No, I think that if you take out the draft in the uh, in free agency, that's probably the most exciting one. So I won't recover that. I'll go to the combine because I want to see who runs a four two or four three or whatever. I want to see what defensive lineman comes out here and runs a four four and puts up fifty rep reps on the bench. So I can just be like, oh my god, this guy's incredible. Who's your I'll- combine guy to watch this year? <sighs> Both of you, Skylar Thompson. Jesus, Christ. shut up. <laughs> You're gonna, you're gonna be competing with Bailey Zappi for I, Bailey Zappi is my QB one. Damn it! I so I don't really have like a hero per se, um, because I don't really keep too much track of combine stuff because I want to walk in and be like, wow, this guy ran a four two. The like, combine is the, is the time for the media to hype somebody up to up their draft stock somehow. Exactly. I mean, the one thing I really want to see is I do kind of want to see Malik. 40 time is so like dumb. dumb. Yeah. Like, it really <laughs> hey, is this guy dumb. Is fast. But I do want to see Malik Willis run a 40 because, like, I want to know if he's like fast or like electric fast, right? Yeah. Like, I want to know if he's like, ah, who's a good comp for that? I want to know if he's like Mahomes mobile or like. Lamar Mobile. Yeah, that's a good that. that's a good comparison. Yeah. Like that's what I want to know. Like I want to like is he gonna go out there and run like a four five four six and that's gonna be like nice, or is he gonna go out there and run like a four three four four? What was that what was that quote by Jesse Ertz? Was it like deceptive speed? No, yeah. no, uh oh what is Malik Willis is the wrong skin tone to be a deceptive oh, athlete. Okay. That's He's an actual athlete. Okay, all right. He is a natural athlete, Beans. Colin Klein at deceptive speed because he had really yeah. long strides. Yes. Yeah. But that's beside the point. 
Um, but yeah, in terms of combine, I mean, like I said, the combine, I don't, the, the combine is pretty much just there to make sure that dudes show up like in shape, in my right. opinion. Like the, the only time that your draft stock really tanks is if you just put up like phenomenally bad numbers like Orlando Brown did, that it didn't even matter because Orlando Brown's just good at football. Beans, so. this is your time to say NFL draft. No, I, I, I don't have that option, remember? Uh, yeah, <laughs> he's going to say the deadline for prior team to exercise rights of first refusal to restricted free agents. <laughs> Actually, I'm going to make you cover that because that's just a lot of words that I had to say. That's a, that's a national holiday, okay? Damn it. So, no, I'm not going to cover that one. Actually, mine's contract <laughs> negotiations with unrestricted free agents. So, I, I'm excited to see how the Chiefs are going to handle this this offseason, you know, w- I didn't know this until the other day, but you know Jesse Bates is an unrestricted free agent, so yeah, he gets money. He's getting paid. He's getting paid, but if he wants to walk away from Cincinnati, you know, hey, hey, bring him in, baby, bring him in. I don't. I Cincinnati's gonna pay him because of just what he's meant to that team. But what he means to that team is. He doesn't mean anything to Kansas City. It's I, still I don't want to pay him if I'm Kansas City. I just want to pay him because he's a good guy in the Cincinnati locker room. He's a team captain, and he's a fucking great football player. It's fun to think about, though. It is fun to think about. But so while we're that, talking about the Chiefs, Beans, why don't you walk us on to what's currently going on with Eric Bieniemy? Because I know that you feel very strongly about this. So, yeah, um, Sunday, like I said, mentioned before, Sunday, it just felt like information after information was pumping out. You know, they broke out with the Sean McVay story. And I didn't know about that until right before the Super Bowl. And then Aaron McDonald, you know, or Aaron McDonald. Aaron Ronald McDonald. Ronald McDonald. Ronald Aaron McDonald was, you know, that information broke out. Like, we got to cut that. Chris Collinsworth said, <laughs> said, hey, Aaron Donald might retire. And I'm sitting here on the couch, you know, like, what the hell? <laughs> like, what? I didn't, and then you get <laughs> you get on Twitter right before and you see Eric Bieniemy is trending because they are meeting the the Chiefs are and Andy Reid are meeting with Eric Bieniemy to talk about the situation, and that scares me because before I thought Bieniemy was sitting back waiting for Reid to retire, but this tells me that Bieniemy and his agent are pissed and told you know Adam Schaffner like hey leak this information out that we're meeting with the chiefs and that we are wanting to get out. And, you know, it's hard to say what per sources mean, but I feel like they just put that in there just to get away with whatever the fuck they want. Yeah. That, that was absolutely the enemy and his agent. I mean, yeah. like I, I they, feel like the thing before is, I was confident with the enemy coming back, but now I'm scared. Okay. So there's two angles for this, right? No, no story has ever gotten out of a, pro sports organization unless someone wanted it to get out right yep yeah like that's that's how it works like obviously there's some stuff that gets like there's some stuff that gets out like the whole washington football team or i guess commanders like you know scandal and stuff but like that had been going on for 10 years and like nothing like nothing had happened like you're not finding out that like some coach is mad and or disgruntled unless they tell you right like no no stories ever broke without someone trying to set a narrative. And there's only two narratives I can think of. One, Eric Bieniemy wants to kind of distance himself from the Chiefs and take a year off and then go somewhere else or just go somewhere else straight up in order to 
increase his resume. He could try and go to like Auburn or something like that, I guess. Like Yeah, Auburn. he's even considering college. The tweet even said considering college, a year off. Or... Auburn would make sense because they just fired their offense coordinator. Well, actually, that's not true. Austin Davis stepped down because he had imposter syndrome, I guess. I, that's kind of the take <laughs> I got. But um, anyways, mental health is not a joke. So, you know, good luck to Austin Davis. Hopefully he, you know, hopefully he feels better in the future. But that could be something with the enemy wanting to, you know, distance up from the Chiefs so that way he can go do great elsewhere so that way no one can say, well, you know, you're just, you know, a product of Andy Reid. Now what I want to put into the ethos for you, what if the Chiefs are – what if the Chiefs gave Eric Bieniemy more pull in the offense this season, and the offense was worse, and they actually didn't want to retain him, but they didn't want to make it look like they didn't want to retain him, right? I could see that because you don't want it like you don't want to end. Eric Bieniemy is a probably well-respected dude. He's been a part of some Super Bowl runs. Like they don't want it to end on a bad note. They want to well, help the dude and out. I the reason I, I'm putting that out in the ether because it's just the flip side of the coin. Now, what I'll say is I don't believe that because I personally believe you would have promised Mike Kafka the offensive coordinator <laughs> job if you did that. <laughs> I know, and that's so. It's so late now. I mean, you had Kafka before, and now you don't have him at all unless he wants to come I, back. I feel but, like this ends with a one-year contract extension. Personally, it's it, probably something like Eric Bieniemy one-year extension, the highest-paid assistant in the NFL. It, well, they don't have to disclose the information of the pay of their coaching staff. Well, but I feel like they of- will, though. I feel like that's. I feel like that's kind of one of the things where it's like the last chance to really boost his perception in the NFL. Eric Bieniemy is getting a one-year prove-it deal. <laughs> that is, he had that last year. He he's proven it. Well, no, I'm just saying, like at some point, it's like you give him the one-year deal, and then you say we're paying him like X amount more than any assistant, just because. I mean, Clark Hunt has a shit ton of money. He can spare the extra million. You know what I mean? Like I know he doesn't want to do that, but like. Unless you're just like trying to make him the highest paid coordinator of all time or something like that, just to like increase the you know ethos of Eric Bieniemy so good we're paying him this much money, you know what I mean? But yeah. I, I don't know. It, it's such a weird situation, and I feel like it's just eventually going I, to come back into a one year deal because like I don't know where Eric Bieniemy would go, and I don't know where the Chiefs would go. I, I don't either. And and, and Andy Reid likes to keep his circle, you know close he's not going to expand far after the enemy leaves he's probably going to bring back like matt Nagy or somebody else that he has (laughs) coached before you think mike kafka would just say deuces to daniel jones and kenny galladay i would hope he would just i would that would be so cool and the nfl would love that yeah say that again and think about it sam (laughs) all right well let's switch gears here for a second um, I, I do want to talk, it is, you know, late February, which means it's almost March, which means it's time to, you know, do a little bit of basketball coverage. Cause you know, we do have at least one good basketball team in this state, Wichita state, state, right? Yeah, absolutely. Wichita state. <laughs> so I wanted to go about two, three minutes and just kind of cover the state of basketball in the state of Kansas from a collegiate perspective. We should probably start with the better of the two teams and we'll start with KU. 
Uh, there's not much really to say. They're good. They're good at the basketball. They're going to win the Big 12 again. They had ugly and, uniforms last night. Uh, they were gross. They wanted to be K-State so bad with those. Oh, they my saw God. We've been wearing those two-tone lavenders for, like, years now. And KU was like, oh, well, what if we just take this 1922 classic jersey and then, you know, copy K-State with a two-tone? I'm sure that's not what it was. Actually, fun fact, I don't know if either of you guys watched that game last night. But those uniforms aren't even the same ones from 1922. They were but, supposed to be flipped. They had the cream shorts and the black tops, but they wanted to wear them at home, so they flipped them. So it's not even the right uniform. Wow. <laughs> so they can't even get that right. Wow. No. So, like, my thing with, like, the two-tone uniforms, right, is I don't mind two-tone uniforms. It depends. They ha- it has to be right, right? Like, K-State's lavender one, like, works because it's, like, a different shade of lavender. And maybe I'm just biased. But, like, the Pacers, when they did the hickory inspired yeah. ones where yep. it's, like, you know, the red shorts and, like, the gold uni, like, that looked pretty good. Like, it, two-tone is very, very fragile in, like, what you can make look good. And, like, white top and black shorts just looks like you're playing at the wreck. I'm it sorry. Looks, it did look scrub. It looked very it, it, it looked like a AAU tournament jersey. Yeah, and it like, looked like they forgot like what uniforms they were wearing. It's like, ah, fuck it, let's put these shorts on. Like KU absolutely could have pulled off like you know those um it's like those gray blue ones they have. I love those jerseys, by the way, as much as yeah. I hate to say it. Yeah. They could have done like the gray blue top and like regular blue shorts or like the old school KU dark blue. Oh, that would have looked good. They have so many chances to make it look – it is hard to make two dominant red and blue, two dominant colors. That wouldn't look good. That and, one and again, I completely good. understand it's 1922, 100-year anniversary-inspired uniforms, and I get that. But, but do like, better. KU has, like, enough great – KU does have great colors. Like, they really do. Yeah. And they have enough blues or whatever they use to make a good two-tone. So I want to see KU – Make a two-tone jersey as good as they are basketball. But now, time to get to the non-boring part of our basketball coverage. Because KU's just good, and we had to go on a tangent about two-tone uniforms to fill time. Because (laughs) there's nothing to talk about with KU other than they're good. Let's talk about K-State basketball, a.k.a. the Bamboo Boys. (laughs) <laughs> Bruce Weber's bamboo tree is continuing to grow as they've won two games after getting crushed by Baylor in that last second half. Yeah, I don't think there's really much to cover with K-State besides the future of Bruce Weber and what you think it is regardless of how this season ends and Nigel Pack because there's not really much else to speak of on this uh, team at the moment. Mark Smith would like a word. Mark Smith is one of the most underrated players in the country. Mark Smith is a really good college basketball player. Don't think he's going to be too much in the NBA, personally. Um, In terms of K-State, just basketball in general, and Bruce Weber, I would like to see Bruce Weber retire. I'm thinking everybody thinks the same thing. I don't want to see him get fired. Bruce Weber, I've done a lot of thinking, and you know, when he got hired 10 years ago, I said that he got fired into into a promotion, and I still think that. I still think that we could have hired a better coaching candidate than Bruce, and I think there were times in the first five to seven years of his tenure 
where he justifiably should have or could have been fired. But I do believe that Bruce, especially after winning that Big 12 title, and I know that like the ending helping end KU streak is like such a mythic thing for K State fans because we have nothing to latch on to basketball wiser than that. But like he did win that title, and I think that like kind of bought him a lot of respect and notoriety along with the Elite Eight team. Right. And yep. it's one of those things where it's like I want to see Bruce be able to go out with dignity. I, I want it's like when you have that dog. You want your dog to be able to go and like you want to be able to bring him to the vet and have him euthanize and like go out peacefully, right? You don't want, you know, your dog to get bit by some, you know, rabie infested raccoon or something and have to put a bullet through its head, right? Like I, yes. I want to see Bruce maybe not retire on his own terms because like if he wants to coach after the season, that's gonna be kind of a weird dynamic. Like I want to see K State win like four of their next six basketball games. I want to see them make the tournament and at least play one more tournament game. And then Bruce can just go on his merry way and we can like, you know, move on because it's just time for a change. Yeah, I, I agree with all I, that completely. I agree. I don't think Gene Taylor has the, you know, like, ah, I'm going to pull the trigger on this one and let him go. I, I, There's no reason. He's, he's not ruthless enough. He's yeah. not ruthless enough. He does like, just he, enough to keep him there. Well, I mean, what do you gain? He's not ruthless enough to make a coaching change like that. Like, Bruce would have – I mean, if Bruce would have went, like, eight and whatever the hell this year, he would have fired him because oh, like, yeah. you can't – you can't, like, sell tickets at that point. We already have trouble enough – filling the stadium yeah. yeah i mean k-state women's is more talked about than the men's yeah which, which is... stinks i mean great for the women by the way like yeah. that's not oh, what no, I mean. no 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 yeah. that's not to discredit the women by any means they aogulee's have, they have awesome a... and everything but it stinks that k-state feels so down in the dumps and we're like seven spots out of an ncaa tournament bid according to J- joe lenardi you know other people ask they're right they're, they're right there in the middle it's yeah, like this this season is exactly what I was hoping they would do. And like preseason I was like, "Oh, we can challenge to not play in the play-in game, which would have been 7 to 10 on down, which we're in 6th right now." And then like make an NIT and win a couple games in the NIT, which I mean, if we make the NCAA tournament that's great, but I mean, if we go to the NIT, we can win a couple NIT games. Yeah, so, like I I don't know. So like that's just kind of a K State basketball spiel. I'm sure I'll come back next week and want Bruce Weber's head on a pike. <laughs> well, I do want to give last more shout out before we move on. I want to shout out Marquise Noel for having the balls to tie game, 22 seconds or 14 seconds left, waving the timeout and Nigel Pack off so that you can jack a half court shot to try and win the game. And then going on the presser after the game and doubling down and just straight up saying you thought you could win the game with a half-court shot. That is some balls. I don't agree with it, but I respect you making your own decision, as retarded so, as it may have been. There's, there's a distinction in basketball Twitter, right? There's basketball players, which is like what Nigel Pack is, right? Which is like what Mark Smith is. And then there's hoopers. Marquise Noel is a hooper. Like, yeah. Like, there's a difference. Like, there's a different dynamic. He is New York tough, and he's a he's a hooper, man. And he 
Marquise and Will do some stuff to leave you scratching your head, and then Marquise will leave, have you, you know, blinking twice. Yep. Because <laughs> you just don't really know what you saw, and you made a great play. So I, I think it's now time to move on to the segment that everyone's been waiting for. And that would be the hot take of the week segment. But this week, I think what we're going to do is we all of our hot takes kind of revolve around this one subject. I brought up that I had made a top 10 quarterbacks list and Gavin wanted to spew some hot fire at one of the players that will assuredly be in this list. And Beans didn't really have a hot take. So he's going to spew some hot fire onto my hot take. So without further ado, gentlemen, are you ready for Sam Long's undisputed top 10 quarterbacks in the National Football League? Bring it on. I just want to make something clear. I'll attack the Lamar Jackson situation later on. In the uh, in the future, but uh, I still do think that he's a objectively terrible quarterback. But we can move on. <laughs> All right. So number ten on the list, Derek Carr. Hey. Okay. I don't know who's around him, but I appreciate the shout out there for Mister Carr. Number nine, Dak Prescott. Fucking just straight garbage. I can't. Throw out this list. This is, in all seriousness, Dak is like a buck average NFL quarterback that got paid a massive salary because he's been surrounded by elite talent. Number eight, (laughs) Lamar Jackson. Okay. Yeah. You're just kind of throwing names into this fucking list now. You have a running back in your quarterback's list. You're, You're going to just be absolutely floored when you realize like how many not worthy top 10 quarterbacks are in this top 10. Well, I mean, you have Kadarius Tony is number eight in your list. So (laughs) number seven, Joe Burrow. Okay. Okay. Sure. Yeah. We'll see what he's like when he doesn't have talent around him. I know offensive line is bad and everything right now, but Joe Burrow either has time to throw and makes a play, or he doesn't, and he gets sacked, and there's not a whole lot of in-between. So so for me, I would say four to seven were really, really close, and I had a hard time ranking them. And then eight and nine, so Lamar and Dak, were really close to Joe at seven, and ten was kind of the tear break Yeah, for that. And you'll you'll see who uh, didn't. I'll tell you who didn't make it after this. Who was under consideration to make it? I only had fourteen quarterbacks under consideration. Technically fifteen, but I threw one of them out. So, and you probably know who that is. Yep. <laughs> um, number six, Justin Herbert. Ooh, that's a little lower than I thought he would be. Yeah, I, I was expecting him to be a little bit higher, but okay. So, for me. Justin Herbert, I I came to this realization at about 12.30 last night. Justin Herbert is a weird love child of, oh, what did I say? Let me find it real quick. 
Well, I mean, we yeah, know that. He, he's the weird love child of Cam Newton and Matt Stafford. Like, I don't know how to describe it, but, like, if you averaged out the athleticism between the two and just gave Herbert a – and just gave him the arm that both of them possess, it's Justin Herbert. And you sprinkle in the inconsistency in there, too. Yeah. He's just the weird love child of those two quarterbacks, and I can't get it out of my head. Okay, number five, Matt Stafford. That's fair. Uh, just, I guess, since we this is right after the Super Bowl, if Matt Stafford, if Joe Burrow goes down and wins that game, are they just flipped? Like, I know that no. Matt Stafford, I think, would still have been ahead of Herbert. Burrow might have been ahead of Herbert. Though. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, number four, Russell Wilson. Oh. <laughs> oh. Gavin oh. hates Russell Wilson. <laughs> and I knew this would piss him off when he said that. Dude, you just urged Gavin beyond what your other. Lamar Jackson and Russell Wilson in the chat. I, I know what I, he did. And I, so here's the thing. I think Russell Wilson is overrated, too. I just don't know between, like, yeah, Stafford, sure. But, like, I'm not ready to put Herbert over him. I'm not ready to put Burrow over him. Like, and I don't, I can't put Lamar, Dak, or Derek Carr over him. So, like, I don't know. Like, th- this was the thing for me. Like, the top three, you, you guys know who the top three guys are. And no, then, I like, don't. I, I'm excited to hear this top three. Oh, so, oh Jesus. <laughs> just get out the Russell Wilson stuff, Gavin. Look, okay. Give me, give me my break. Just get – just – you have the floor. Five minutes if you need. It's a five-minute major. Five okay. Minutes. Yeah, take a deep breather, Sam, because uh, I – Russell Wilson has the – has had the most excuses made for him of any NFL player in the history of fucking mankind. The fucking cavemen were talking about how Russell Wilson just doesn't have the help that he needs in Seattle and how he has a coach that has just one of the oldest fucking uh, philosophies approaching the NFL, just completely disregarding the fact that DK Metcalf and Russell or uh, Tyler Lockett isn't even talked about there in Seattle. He's just completely forgotten all of these players, DK Metcalf, uh, Tyler Lockett, especially they're talked about as super inconsistent and you don't know what you're getting week to week from them. And they, they sprinkle it on like it's the wide receiver's fault. When the one consistency that's been there the entire fucking time is Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson was a, what, second, third round pick when he came in. And he was a massive, 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 massive part of them making their Super Bowl runs. Won a Super Bowl, as I talked about before. And that is great for Russell Wilson. I'm just not, I'm just like really confused because we poo poo all over a guy like Kirk cousins because he's really good. And you can put a team around him when he's on a rookie contract, but the second you pay him, you just can't put the team around him. And he's just not a guy that's worth the contract he's on. What the fuck are we talking about with Russell Wilson? Then why does that not get talked about with Russell Wilson? We just shit all over these uh, Kirk cousins of the world. Derek Carr is about to get paid by some team and it's going to get, the exact same conversation there. There is just not a quarterback in the NFL that wins regularly on a massive contract. Tom Brady doesn't even take a massive contract because he wants to win. But for some reason, Russell Wilson is the only quarterback in the NFL where everything else is the issue. 
I rest my case. If you want to put him top 10, I can at least respect that. But the fact that you have him at four just kind of – and you have him at four and you have Kadarius Tony at eight just kind of makes this list completely just disregard it from my brain. My, my, my counter to you is, is that Russell Wilson consistently, apart from this year, is getting that team to the playoffs, right? Like, he's not winning in the playoffs, and like I get that, and maybe you should be lower because of that. But in my in my brain, like I can't put Stafford. I I thought about putting Stafford ahead of him, and I couldn't do it. I couldn't put Herbert ahead of him. I couldn't put Joe ahead of him, and those were the three dudes who I thought. So like I guess it's just like you know Russell Wilson gets older, or one year older, and you know Burrow and Herbert and get better and Stafford stays the same or outperforms him again, then I think I can. I, at this point, for me, it's more of a body of work kind of thing for Russell Wilson, which is a terrible way to make a list. No, I, I get that. My, like, just issue with it, as I described, is if we're going to put, like, Kirk Cousins, was Kirk Cousins even talked about to be put into this list, into the top 14? Yeah, he was. Okay, so you he, have a guy was, that didn't um, make the top 10, but is in that bucket 12, with, like, Derek I think I made him 12. Okay, so he's okay. in that bucket with Derek Carr, right? Guys that you're like, really, you feel really good about if you don't have to pay him a lot and you can build the team around him to go to a Super Bowl. Exactly yeah. like what happened to Russell Wilson, right? Let me just tell you the honorable mentions. And this is pretty much in order. Okay. I think it was uh, Kyler Murray was like 11th, Kirk Cousins was 12th. I think I had Tannehill 13th, and Matt Ryan's like 14th. Okay. And I those, don't... Were the, those were the only like, those are the only 14 people I considered. I went through my head and, like, picked out every person who started at quarterback or whatever this year. And, I mean, half the list didn't even get put on, like, the initial list. And those were the four that got cut. So, here, I guess you brought up a perfect guy for this because of uh, the situation that he's in, the way the offense is made, and having one gigantic receiver to throw to. What's the difference in the last three years? Because I'm discounting the first five years because ta- the Tannehill was playing with Adam Gase. But what's the difference between those two? They play in run-centric offenses, are really efficient, and throw to one gigantic receiver. And I, Tannehill has had less weapons than Russell Wilson. He's had a worse offensive line. I, I shouldn't say worse. They both had terrible offensive lines. I, I and, think really just – I think the difference is, is like – is it's really just Tannehill – again, this is a sports talk radio explanation. But like – if you like just watch like the highest highs, like Russell Wilson is like a guy who has higher highs, right? Yeah. And like I, okay. I understand the whole like Russell Wilson disappears in the second half of seasons because he does. I'm not going to pretend that that isn't a thing. That's why, you know, if Russell Wilson doesn't, you know, disappear in the second half of seasons, he's. He clears, you know, everyone else on this list or whatever. Yeah, and like, I agree with that. Down. And that's, that's the thing I hold against Russell Wilson is, like, he just has kind of proven when he's been on the field that he can't do that. But I, yeah, I agree that can't it's do it for a whole year. Yeah, but I agree I, I think if he it's just, clear, he's fine. Tannehill is, like, a B student who always is getting, like, 80 to 83s. And Russell Wilson's, like, a B student who's getting, like, 95s, but then he'll, like, fuck up his grade because he takes a project off and gets a 65 or something i i can agree with that and i i don't want to take the super bowls 
and what Russell Wilson meant for that team early on away from him. I just don't think, like we're talking about, wins are not a quarterback stat. So why should that affect how I view him just objectively as a football player? Not his legacy, not whatever, just him playing quarterback for my team on a massive contract. Do I want that? My answer is no. That's just. Yeah. And well, and, in in, you know, Ben didn't even sniff this list. So this isn't like a legacy thing. This is a can you play quarterback thing. And yeah, I, right. I still think Russ has it. I think, you know, Russ has room to fall down this list, especially, especially, you know, with Herbert and Burrow behind him. But I, I knew that would be the big sticking point. Yeah, Beans, who's correct? Just be the tiebreaker here. Okay, here. I want to I give you guys a per-game stat uh, according to stathead.com. So, Kirk Cousins. <laughs> Let's go. Just, just hear okay. me out. Just hear me out. One sec. No, just hear me out, Sam. Is this from this year or is it from their careers? From, or okay, what so they were both, they both started in 2012 and it's going on till this year. So, same time frame. Their careers. Their okay. careers. Now let's well, let's hold up here, Beans. If you're going to give me like passing yards per game, we need to put the context that Kirk Cousins has been on the you know team formerly known as the racial slurs and some bad Viking teams. And, and, where and that's where that's where this is going to probably help Gavin's case out maybe a little bit. <laughs> so so Kirk Cousins' completion percentage over his career or per game is 22 percent, and Russell Wilson's is 19. Um, they're, so, they're what percentage? No, wait, what? I lied. There yeah, you go. I did lie. I did lie. Shit. Um, anyway, I would hope that none of these quarterbacks were sniffing my rankings if they threw for 19 and 22%. Yeah, that's some Justin Fields type shit. Sorry, I'm, I'm looking at half a screen here. Anyway, so passing yards per game. Kirk Cousins is 260. Russell Wilson is 234. Touchdowns per game, 1.8, 1.8. Interceptions, 0.7 for Kirk Cousins, 0.6 for Russell Wilson. Sacks, the 2 and oh, uh, 1.9 and 2.7 for Russell Wilson. Uh, I mean, their stats are actually really comparable. It's that really – That's my point, though, is it's just a bucket. Like, I have this yeah, bucket we, of quarterbacks. We don't – dude, we don't just go off stats, though. If we went off just freaking stats, then, like – there's a lot of quarterbacks who are some bum-ass mid who put up good stats because they're throwing the ball the whole time. I mean, and, and, the, and by the stats, uh, you know, Kirk Cousins had the same exact year as Aaron Rodgers. Why didn't Kirk Cousins win the MVP? Uh, anyway, so. Yeah, yeah no, I, it, well, yeah, and that's what I mean, though. Like, you, you can't, yes, Kirk Cousins can go and put up similar stats to Aaron Rodgers, and we can meme and joke about how he's as good as Aaron Rodgers. But then you have to, like, you just got to look at the players, right, man? Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. You watch I, both of them. Can like, I end it on, on this, Sam? I would, if, talking about Tannehill, let's just go back to Tannehill. Let's just say over the course of a season, just on average, you're getting more good games from Tannehill because he just doesn't have the floor falling out from underneath him. And Russell Wilson does, but when you get into the playoffs – you have a ceiling with Russell Wilson that Tannehill doesn't have. And I probably agree with that. I think it's still close, but I, I could agree with that argument. I just – I would rather get to the playoffs with a good roster and figure it out with Tannehill, even if I have this mythical high-end game from Russell Wilson. Because as we saw with Patrick Mahomes, if you have this high end that you can hit and beat Josh Allen, you still have to have the consistency to be able to beat a Joe Burrow as well. But 
I digress. We so, can move on to the rest of this list. Yeah, that was a long number four. I I know. I know. <laughs> I, I knew it would be. So for me, I, I guess my final point for my, you know, four is like you said, Gavin, I I would just rather have the dude gives me the best chance to win the Super Bowl. And Russell Wilson is the type of dude who's a good enough quarterback to where my team can have a bad game, I can still win, right? Yeah, he wouldn't throw an interception on the one-yard line to lose a Super Bowl type guy. Yeah, well, yeah, I know. <laughs> Sorry, that, that was just a one-play one sample size low blow there. Matt, <laughs> okay, to be fair, I, I want to say one thing about throwing – If I'm not going to get completely into this. We can talk about this another time. Throwing the ball in that situation was absolutely the right call based off of time and timeouts – in just general situation, because you couldn't – in that situation, you had two timeouts and three downs, so you don't want to run the ball. Or maybe you had – I think it was one timeout. You you had enough time to – you had enough time to stop the clock. And get another play? Well, yeah. I, I can't remember what it was. I think no, they had I, one timeout. I think, it was, yeah. I think it was one timeout – I think it was one timeout and three plays, if I remember right. And so you want to throw the ball on that play because it's either a touchdown or no time comes off. And then you can run or throw on both the next two plays instead of having to throw on third down because if you don't get it. So if you don't get it on second down, you have to call timeout. And then you have like 20 seconds and no timeouts with two downs. So you have to throw on third down then. And everyone knows you have to throw on third down because if you run it and don't get it, the game is over. Well, and that's why, like, that, that interception's not on Russell Wilson. It is literally a well, catch, ter- catch the snap, turn, It's on the throw. play caller, though. You don't throw the ball over the middle in that situation. What you do is you take okay. your biggest receiver, like Doug Baldwin or whatever the guy's name was who was having the crazy game, who was 6'5", or whatever that was, and you tell him to go into the corner of the end zone, you throw him a fade, and if it's an incomplete pass, it's an incomplete pass. Yeah, I agree with all that. But anyways, back to the list. That was a long diversion. <laughs> we got a little off rail. This, this, well, this got hot. <laughs> welcome to our uh, – welcome to the Russell Wilson slander show. Um, okay, number three, Josh Allen. Okay. Okay, all right. That's two. Cool. Oh, and by the way, um, if Deshaun Watson wasn't a rapist, he would be number four. Okay, well, that okay. makes sense because that would kick Russell Wilson out of the league. So, where do you have no, where everyone? You have would three, everyone would three? just shift one down. Where, where, oh, where, where oh, was well, Deshaun? Then, no. Where was huh? Deshaun Watson at before? Before right. he's not on the no, 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 list like right now. Like right now on your list, where is Deshaun Watson? Um, he's not on my list because he hasn't played in a year, and I don't know if he's gonna play again. If he was playing, he would be fourth, and everyone would take everyone from Wilson down would take one lower spot. So Carr wouldn't make your list. Yes. No. <laughs> Carr barely made my list. <laughs> what, what am I going to just jump Prescott out or Lamar out? Because... I, I probably probably plus Russell Wilson out I... with me. <laughs> All right, all right, all right. All right. All right. We, we, we got to go to two. Number two, Patrick Mahomes. 
What? Okay, who's one? Who's one? One is Aaron Rodgers, reigning MVP. Uh, okay. In my, uh, my opinion, uh, I don't know. Of, of my opinion, okay, of my opinion, if you are the same caliber of quarterback, which I think that Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes are very similar, very even, same-tiered quarterback, and you win MVP, and then you're number one because you're the MVP. Now, Grant, when Lamar won his MVP, I didn't think Lamar was the same caliber quarterback as Mahomes was, right? So Lamar's probably still in the top three to five at that moment because he's the MVP. Like, it's undeniable. You won MVP, you get a lot of brownie points on this on this type of list. Like I can't I can't have the MVP like a tenth in the list. I look like a jackass. And that's just not true. So Rogers is my number he was my number one no, he wasn't my number one last year. Last year Brady was my number one. Okay. He probably still Brady or Rogers was my number one. The other one was number two. Mahomes was third. Brady is obviously retired. Um but yeah, so that's why Rogers won. Because he's two time reigning defending undisputed MVP of the league and he should be treated as such on my list. Even though I think Mahomes is a better quarterback pound for pound. Um, I guess it feels bad to me because everything, and I, I don't want to just say this because it was Russell Wilson, like having the guy that will go and win you, you know, win you the game when you get into the playoffs and just will drag a team through Aaron Rodgers partially dragged that roster with Devontae Adams and nobody else at offensive weapons to speak of to the playoffs. And I, I don't disagree with that. That roster is not making the playoffs with Jordan Love, probably Kirk Cousins, or just whoever you're throwing in there. But at the same time, if you're going to have that guy, he's got to, in what, three years now, be able to take that team to the – that's literally his job is to take his team all the way to to the Super Bowl. At least make it there. No, and I dude, I agree. Like, I get it. It's just when I judge like I understand like the playoffs are very important, right? But like we're we can't just discount the other forty nine games that get played. Now, we can't we can't base all of like these rankings on the like seven playoff games that Rodgers has played in the last three years. But okay, again, I, I totally understand that aspect of things. And like, look, if uh, Brady had won MVP, then Mahomes would be number one because Rodgers isn't the MVP. But yeah. like, he is the back-to-back MVP. Like, he's number one. Like, you don't, in my opinion, like, you don't get to rank him not number one because of like that pedigree if that makes sense no i agree would you agree with the sentiment that it feels wrong but it's probably the right answer not probably yeah, but it is I the mean, right answer it just I, feels wrong i said it myself i don't think aaron Rodgers at this very moment in time is better than patrick mahomes when pat when patrick mahomes is playing i don't want to say reserved reserved isn't the right word but when Patrick Mahomes is p- taking what the defense gives him, he's the best quarterback on the planet, right? Like, he, when yeah. he's not forcing stuff, when he's not doing what he's doing in the second half of the Bengals game, right? Right. Like, he's the best quarterback on the planet. Can I can I interject here real quick? Yes. 
I had this, and this is going to take like just a quick second. I feel like there is a vintage Mahomes. Am I am I wrong? Like we have this first year of Patrick Mahomes where he threw for you know five thousand yards and fifty touchdowns. He was just running around everywhere and flinging it and everything. I feel like that was vintage Mahomes and this, these past couple of years, we've got like more, like you said, a reserve Patrick Mahomes and he's doing very good taking what the defense is giving him. But I think we've seen the tale of two sides on him. I well, yeah. I mean, it's just hitting the high end of variance and then coming back down to what is sustainable quarterback play. Yeah. I mean, to, to me, it's just, he was such a dynamo when he first came out because like, I mean, so like everyone will, post those videos about Matt Stafford, you know, doing all the Mahomes stuff, like, before Mahomes. But, like, Mahomes takes the no-look pass and does it on the run across his body, like, during that season, right? Right. Like, during his first season. He literally bends the ball like it's – he throws a slider. It's great. Yeah, no. Like, we had not – I don't care what any Hurt Lions fan says about (laughs) Matt Stafford doing it before (laughs) Mahomes. No one did shit like like I've never seen anyone do the stuff that he did the first year he started. Like it, it just never happened. Like that that stuff never happens. And like I I'll never forget when he threw that left handed pass against the Broncos. My jaw hit the floor. I've never seen a quarterback with the fucking cojones to just be like, oh yeah, might as well just throw this ball with my off hand for this first down while I'm getting sacked. Like that was just ridiculous. Like yeah, I've never seen that before. Okay, so so I mean, you have that. Has Aaron Rodgers done anything like that? Aaron Rodgers does a lot of stuff on the move. He does. He does a lot of stuff. Well, on he, the run. he doesn't. It's not like the flashy stuff though. Like Mahomes has got like, I mean, there's a reason people start calling him Showtime. He's got the yeah. flair. Yeah. To it. You, you yeah, have man. a you, you have like, he's got old... the cool factor to it. But like Aaron Rodgers, dude. I mean, like for God's sakes, man. Aaron Rodgers, like other than Tom Brady, like who do you? Who did you want there for the past 10 years with, like, no timeouts, one minute, and a dream to get into field goal range? You have a Cadillac versus a Ferrari situation. The problem with that, though, Beans, is, like, you're talking about this mythical high end. No, I shouldn't say mythical. This high end that Mahomes can hit, but, like, it's that or it's the floor drops out with Mahomes. It is, like, on a Russell Wilson level – but it just doesn't happen for long spurts. He usually figures it out after a game or two or a half or whatever. Aaron Rodgers is just, over the past couple seasons, his just like baseline of play is just higher than if you averaged out Mahomes' baseline of play. Yeah, I, Rodgers during one season threw like two picks in like 16 games. Like that show just – it's ridiculous. Like his efficiency is just off the charts. Yeah, he is going to go down as one of the most efficient quarterbacks of all time. Yeah, I mean Aaron Rodgers. Like, like seriously, if Aaron Rodgers would have like stopped Tom Brady from winning two rings and he had three and Brady had like five, people would probably say Aaron Rodgers is the greatest quarterback of all time. I agree with that. And it, what's crazy is he's literally two games away from that being reality. Yeah, and like, like Aaron Rodgers is. Like, he's just a savant at playing quarterback. Yeah. Would like, you so- also agree that, like, the off-the-field stuff, how, however much of it is Aaron Rodgers and however much of it is just the, the sports media and the national media that we just have today, that also has kind of hurt people's just perception of Aaron Rodgers today? Yeah, everyone loved Aaron Rodgers, like, two, three years ago. Yeah, oh, yeah. He, he was just a weird, cool guy. You know, yeah. I mean, I mean him winning the MVP he, this year was a win for Ivermectin. 
Just saying. <laughs> I I think I think for the NFL sake, him winning MVP was a win for the process, right? Like obviously yeah. because like yeah, Brady would have been a fun story for him to win MVP while he retires, but Aaron Rodgers had a lower interception percentage and a higher touchdown percentage. Yeah, and a higher yards per attempt or whatever than Tom Brady. Like Tom Brady had better stats because he threw the ball like 150 more times. Here we go. Here we go. Can I throw in a hot, just a hot take of the week just because I just thought of this? Well, it's the segment. Go for it, man. It's the segment. And we're running right. out of time. All right. If Tom Brady had a retirement tour this year, which is not exactly who he is, but that's. I mean, he does a retirement tour this year. Does he win? He wins the MVP. I, I'm that. That's a statement. He does a retirement. He does a retirement tour this year. He wins the MVP. I don't disagree with that. I don't think that's a very hot take because I think this goes back to the narrative thing that Gavin was talking about. Super MVP. See, Gavin, we went full yep. circle on this show. That's, that's right. Yeah, and that's what this show the is about. Only thing more powerful then on-field performance and statistics in this world are narratives. And as a consumer of the NBA product, it absolutely determines MVP. Yep. I just want you to remember that Jimmy G has really helped his trade stock out for the 49ers and has been a, a key component to their playoff run. And he's really boosted his stock for this offseason. Quote, Adam Scheffner. <laughs> well, folks, I think that this was a very long show. Some might even call it a super show. And I think we're going to call it a super show because we covered the biggest game on earth. And I think that it's high time we get out of here. So to everyone listening, I want to thank you very much for listening to this very long winded podcast. We went off on many, many tangents and I'm doing right now in my goodbye. So we'll see you next week on the pod and hopefully it'll be shorter and it will definitely be more boring because there's a lot less football to talk about now. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week.